Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him, or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. But I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. Welcome to the For the King podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I wanted to start this episode off with a verse from the Bible because I'm a Christian and I read that thing. Proverbs 20, verse 10. Differing weights and differing measures, both of them are abominable to the Lord. It's the first verse. Second one I wanted to read, Proverbs 28, 8. He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance or his wealth, he shall gather it for him that will pity the poor. Amen. So those are, those are going to be foundational verses going into the topic today. So not sure exactly what I'm going to title it uh, currently as we're recording this, but the topic or the general uh, direction of our discussion is going to be about the kind of banking crisis we're seeing and some of the uh, things we're seeing in our financial system that is alarming, you know, and how Christians should think about that. How should Christians think about finances and money and how do we kind of look presuppositionally at money and then move forward on how we think about the economy and financials and things like that. So um, I think these verses are teaching us that, um, you know, unjust gain, using money wickedly, dealing with money in an unjust manner. God hates those things and he stores those things up for the righteous, the people that are righteous with money. Um, yeah. So do you guys have any introductory thoughts or kind of get into? Yeah. Introduce us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Who's with me? Let's see if you can guess. Well, I got the boys. I got the normal, the Saturdays are for the boys. So we're recording this on a Saturday. So I got Noah with me today, and they're both smoking a little bit, smoking a little pipe. So if you hear some uh, some flickering of the lighter, that's what's going on. Then I got Carter with me. Howdy. There they are. They're not being very talkative right now. It's your podcast. It's nothing to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> it's your podcast. <laughs> that's true. Well, maybe I can get you guys talking if I start bringing up some really atrocious, evil things our society's doing, right? Maybe that'll stir you guys yeah, up a little bit to some wrath. Yeah. It usually does. So banking crisis. We had Silicon Valley Bank, which is the second largest bank failure since the 2008 financial crisis. We had um, First Republic Bank, I think. Um, Credit Suisse, all the way out in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, Silvergate Bank. So we had quite a number of banks that have failed so far. Uh, Q1. I think we're we're about to go into Q2. You know, so we'll see what happens in these next couple months. But 
Um, we're seeing some uh, issues in our economy. You know, what's going on? What's the issue, right? Well, we, we want to kind of push the uh, narrative back a little further and talk about maybe some of the foundational issues that are leading to what we're seeing in the banking system. And that's called fractional reserve banking and even more so usury, right? Even at this point, like no reserve banking. Yeah, no. Modern monetary policy. It's awful. So just yeah. yeah, banks are allowed to lend out $9 for every 10 bucks that they get. And then wherever they lend that, the person that receives that can lend it out again. So it just, you're basically making money out of thin air, right? You're making, you're making, you know, nine more dollars out of the nine lent dollars. That person can now, you know, lend whatever 90% of that is. Not in a tangible way, but yeah. like in a way that only fiat really allows. Exactly. So, I mean, we have this um, fractional reserve banking system where you can basically just lend people's money out and people's money out. And that's how we get, you know, our interest rates and in our bank accounts and stuff. And, you know, we benefit from that. But again, we, I want people to realize the benefit you get <laughs> doesn't even come close to outweighing inflation or uh, the way the government taxes us. Like there's all these things that we were like, oh, it's nice. Like if we didn't have fractional reserve banking and I want to get my 0.15% interest rate on a bank account, you know, it's like, how would I ever make money? It's like, well, you know, inflation is usually around 2% a year when they have it quote unquote under control. It's about two. That's what they try to get is a 2% a year. Right now it's at six. So them taking your money and lending it out, they're not doing right by you with your money. No. And on top of that, your money's now being lent in spaces that you're not authorizing. You're just by, by giving it to them, you're saying, you know, you can lend it, but it might not even be something you agree with, or yeah. it might be riskier than you would have done, right? So they're really profiting at our expense. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's that's all you have to say about that? Yeah, I mean it is what <laughs> it is. It's going on been going on for such a long time, it's become kind of normalized, which oh, is yeah. really sad. And that's why I think it's important, like you had said, how to sorry, presuppositionally think about money and yeah. what it really is, how it should be used, and why it's so off. And uh -huh. I don't know, maybe what we can do to try to recover that. Yeah. Right. So I think we need to start doing things that produce real value. I think that's kind of a, a good starting point. Like, don't really think about, oh, I'm valuable because I have a lot of money. It's like, well, are you valuable because you've provided a service that's mm -hmm. invaluable to the community? I think that's where real wealth comes from. Yeah. Most of the richest people in the world, they don't have just like a bunch of fiat currency, like like dollars laying around. They have it all wrapped up in assets that have yeah. real world value. You know. Yeah. So I think as Christians, we need to be thinking that way because the richy rich don't think that way. They're not like, how do I accumulate more dollars? They're, they're not about they're dollars. Working. It's, it's, more, it's more power now. And I mean, yeah. we see everything with the rise of the Rockefeller. Oh, yeah. Dynasty, how they used money that you know through the oil industry to then pivot that into power and all these other institutions, and we're just yeah. seeing the effects of that today. It's, uh -huh. it's power games, but exactly. it does affect us. And but we know that Christ is King, and He is redeeming the whole world, and that even means the financial system and the exactly. economy. Yeah. So how is He doing that? I think He's teaching us. I mean, there's a lot of different. Uh, there's a lot of different teachings in scripture. Like we just read a couple of the Proverbs. Um, there's a lot in scripture about not charging usury to your brother, not uh, exacting interest on the poor. America is pretty much built on, I mean, crony capitalism, exacting interest 
on the poor. Yeah. I mean, we're we're capitalists, you know, like we're not against capitalism. We're definitely not socialists. Let me get that right out of my mouth. Like we're not, you know, we're, we're very conservative in our economics. But I think biblically, when we think about economics, um, you know, economy starts in the family. I think we've talked about, definitely. I'm pretty sure we've talked about that before, but uh, economy starts again from real tangible assets or value that's coming out of things that God made in his world, like real world things that have application. And that's why the family has to be the backbone of it and not the government because they don't create value. All the government does is regulate morals. That's what Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 is all about. All the government does is regulate morals and does not create value. So the fact right. that um, fiat currency is predicated on on the the assumption that the government can create value, they've already they've taken the mantle from the family, the economy from the family, and placed it in the hands of the Federal Reserve or the central bank or whatever. So, so right from the get-go, you're completely going against God's design because you're saying the government creates value and the government has never, ever been uh, right. where value comes from in, in the scriptures. Fundamentally, God created... When God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden, they... Had a local economy that they would do work and exactly. get a produce, put in work, get an output, and that's I mean very agrarian, very fundamental. But it's built into the fabric of our our very nature as being the image of God. That mm-hmm. we do take things that have no value and fashion them to create something that is beautiful and that has value. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I, 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 what I want to remind people of is where the government gets their money from when we're talking about like, yeah, humans create value by doing work. The government doesn't do any work. The government, I mean, the only work it does that we pay them for would be regulating morals. Like I already said, regulating the behavior of people in your society. So the government can receive, it it doesn't create any value in and of itself. It doesn't do work in and of itself where it, um, it creates that value. What it does is receive its value or its money or how it, how it operates from three different sources, either a loan from another country, a um, it, well, and a fiat-based monetary system, um, inflation, or from taxes. Those are the three sources the American government gets its revenue from, how it, how it operates. I think the, the other country loans are pretty self-explanatory. Um, the whole global system is on the U.S. dollar right now, and that's it's very tied to the oil industry, just because oil is probably the heaviest, most heavily traded commodity uh-huh. globally. Um, so, I mean, you hear the petrodollar. I don't know all the technical terms as to why it's called that, but I, you know, it's backed on the dollar. Yeah. Um, so all these global currencies have agreed to trade in the dollar because of the the power of the system. Yep. Um, so that one's pretty self-explanatory. Just countries lending to another. We see we see China actually gaining a lot of influence by um, giving loans to other nations. Yeah, like we're super in debt to China. Uh, but like what I've also been seeing is like a lot of Africa has yeah. China coming in and building a lot of the infrastructure, doing a lot of the stuff. It it's it's not great because it robs the local people of the, that work opportunity and ability to create that value for their own system exactly. there because because the country doesn't you know for whatever reason don't think they can do it on their own so then they will 
get a loan from another more, you know, a exactly some kind of patron nation to, uh -huh. to do that. Exactly. I mean, I'm sure the U.S. does it as well. I mean, look at what we're doing in Ukraine. We're sending so much money there. Uh -huh. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. It's it's so that one's pretty self-explanatory. We can see that, but and we know biblically that is authorized because God says you can lend money to a foreigner. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so that's not our beef. Mm -hmm. And our beef's also not with taxes. What's our beef with? Oh, yeah, inflation. inflation and fiat. Yeah, yeah and, fiat that, and that's I think where we're going to spend most of our time and critique. Oh, exactly. Yeah, inflation and then and then fractional or no reserve. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess my point there is the government has no inherent value in and of itself. It's only given value from what God has authorized it to do and right. what the people covenant with the with the. Um, the government to do. Yeah. Right. So we've authorized our government under the constitution, we the people, that they can do these certain things right. and those are their tasks and we give them taxes so they accomplish that tax. Mm -hmm. Now there are so many extra constitutional bureaucracies like the EPA, the CIA, the FBI, uh, the Marine Corps, the Army, um, like a lot of the military branches are completely extra constitutional Yeah, and a lot of the environmental stuff. Uh, I even think the SEC and the CFDC and all them are, are extra constitutional as well. Yeah. So there, there are these now massive amounts of bureaucracies that we now pay them to do. Yeah. Not, not and, elected. And, yeah. Officials. Not elected officials that have more, probably do more and impact our lives way more than yeah. um, most of our elected officials. So that's why taxes are so high. We have this huge, massive system of paying these people. And that's why we have like, really unjust evil taxes, I would say. Yeah. Um, but the government does have a right to tax. So our beef's not really with taxing and it's, you know, in its source. Right. But that it's so high, I would say that is an evil, mm -hmm. um, the way they tax us. But then, yeah, our, our biggest beef is with the fiat currency in terms of our monetary system. And that's what enables the ability for these banks to do fractional reserve banking because when one fails, like with Silicon Valley Bank, the government comes in and says, we'll bail you out. Well, again, remember, like it's not a bailout like the government's doing anyone any good. It's the government allowed the banks to do fractional reserve banking and then it backfired on them. And then the government's using our money or money that was loaned to them or uh, inflating the currency and just printing more to bail them out. So I want people to see like when you see the government doing that, so many people are like, oh, my gosh, look at how our government's so helpful. They're helping the people. Mm. They're making sure the people are all right. Well, no. Actually, that $300 billion that they used to bail out SVB is on the backs of the people. Right. It's not like it's like they're being real generous or even with the student loan forgiveness. Yeah. They're not like forgiving mm -hmm. it and it just goes away. Like now that's been fronted by our tax money. Yeah. Now we have to pay more taxes for that. So it's not – again, I want to remind people like stop looking at the government as daddy. Like they're always like bailing us out yeah. and they're helping us and like look at how amazing they are. And they're so selfless. Like they're not selfless. They literally exacted taxes on us so they could fix the problems that they created. Right. A big part of the problem is that this system that they set up and are profiting massively from the cracks are starting to show, but they're just going to keep on kicking the can down the road by keeping up these, mm. these banks and this fraudulent system. And it's just going to lead to a more cataclysmic, uh-huh outcome in the end and yeah. they can't get around they, like you're, you can't ultimately get away with breaking god's law and oh yeah on that like this 
the cataclysm, the coming cataclysm of the financial system, there's all this talk about the great reset, build uh-huh. back better, all this programming through COVID and, and stuff. And they, they see it, they see a need to reset it, but you know, the globalist agenda has a certain idea of how they want to do it. And it's very optimistic and utopic and, but really not founded on God's law or any semblance of truth, more, more pragmatism than anything. And, uh-huh. Um, it's you mentioned what? earlier how the mm-hmm. Rockefellers used their money and their influence to garner more power and influence. Yeah. So I think it's a quote from maybe Henry Kissinger talks about how controlling the food has it, people. Right. So controlling the monetary system has massive implications for power and influence. Um, yeah. So I think that really plays into like I like maybe it it is conspiratorial inherently, but mm. it's like powerful and evil people exist who want to do this kind of stuff. Yeah, and fiat currency is the perfect system. Yeah, because it's it's centralized and consolidated in the Federal Reserve because yeah. they're the ones that determine whether they can just print more money or Should not. Should we talk about the founding of the Federal Reserve a little bit? And kind sure, of I'm actually is. a little ignorant on that. Go for it. Um. <laughs> You better know because you brought it up. <laughs> I mean, it was like it was a very kind of um, clandestine thing. Just a bunch of folks met together to just, I, and I don't know who these were. Probably like a lot of big financial interests coming from like this the Rockefeller power dynasty. Yeah. Um, that because there are, are there other branches of the Federal Reserve in other nations. So, so it's like this global banking system, and like I think the origins even started before in um, the Great British Empire. Uh-huh. Um, that's how they funded their the expansion by <clears throat> through fractional reserve currency. And I don't know if it was the there. I don't think they had a Federal Reserve at that time, but it was a lot of the fractional reserve where they were able to pay and have all this money. But it, they didn't actually have it. So yeah. instead of saving up and okay, and then building your resources and then conquesting, like they just created the value on fiat uh-huh. and did the expansion. And yeah, I mean, I'm a little ignorant on it too, but that's my understanding of how that worked. And then yeah. kind of the outflow of that was the way that the this modern financial system that's was good. set up. Yeah, John Maynard Keynes was a <clears throat> British man. So, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And Britain kind of started it. And so the way it works now, like the Federal Reserve is not any is not part of the government at all. It's extra governmental, exactly, yeah. but they are the central bank for the government. Uh-huh. So they're the ones who print the money and make the money. We can't have an account or go to the Federal Reserve and yeah, make, exactly. make a banking account there. Uh-huh. So um, there's a lot of issues just in terms of taking the power and centralizing it and creating it as a, a power source for yeah. the centralized government. Yeah. Right. I know in some, yeah, exactly. Like some other countries, I know China and their digital yuan, they, Oh yeah. At some point, maybe it was just an experiment, but they tried out having an expiration date on the money. Oh, I heard that. Yeah. Um, and I know Europe or some, some countries in the UN talked about implementing something like that. Yeah. To force people to spend. Right. High time mm-hmm. preference. Just, right. So it, it's just another means of garnering power by controlling 
the financial system, and it's much, much easier to do with a digital currency. Uh And I know the U.S. has been talking about rolling out a CBDC. Tons of other countries are working on this. It's really only a matter of time. Um, So it's really just a matter of when and how and how much power people will be able to retain um, having to use something like this when it's implemented at such a broad scale globally. Yeah. And Christians, we need to be wary of that, yeah. I would say, and, and find alternative currencies like Bitcoin that retain their value, mm-hmm. you know, or gold. So then do we want to pivot and talk more about... We're talking about the mark of the beast. <laughs> <laughs> We're post-mill here, dude, please. Um, it is at least one interesting that... Um, like the stuff that people have been talking about, like a one-world currency or one-world religion, like, yeah, it might actually happen, but... That doesn't mean Postman wasn't true. Exactly. Two things I wanted to bring up before we move on. Um, we, we keep hearing about like, oh, hyperinflation eventually one of these days. And then, you know, everybody, it never happens, right? People have been saying that since the 80s. Like, hyperinflation. Right. And then it well, happens, it happens but, but not to the U.S. dollar. Well, but here's the thing. What I think is kind of happening is they've now increased rates so much and all these banks are starting to fail and they're going to bail them out with more money. That now, right now, uh, inflation's at six percent. Usually, like I said, they like to have that around two. Well, now it's probably what's probably going to happen is they're going to bail it out. They're going to raise all the interest, or sorry, lower the interest rates because they can't do any more damage. Or maybe they'll raise interest rates more. I don't know. And then that is going to stay six percent forever. And then they're going to mm-hmm. kick the can down the road. And then eventually, ten percent is going to be normal. And then twenty percent. And then it's going to get out of hand where inflation gets crazy. And then mm-hmm. that's when they're going to transition into so slower hyperinflation. Yeah, it's superinflation. Gonna, that would happen, I believe, if they continue to raise rates. But what tends to happen is when they go a long period of raising rates, they do a pivot and they start to lower. Uh-huh. That's when um, I think that's what happened right before the Great Depression, right before the 2008 crash. Uh-huh. So it's like I think people would recognize that when they pivot and start lowering rates, and that's just not a good sign. But if they do continue to raise rates, then they're just going to be kind of kicking the can down the road. Yeah, kicking the can down the road. Interesting. Fascinating. I didn't know that. Yeah. So I think that's also happening. And then another little story I heard of just like just how bunk money is on a credit system where you, there's so much debt and stuff. So there's like a guy that comes up um, to purchase a room at an inn or something. And he's got uh, – he's like, how much does it cost? And the guy's like, it's it's 10 bucks or something you know, to stay at the inn. Yeah. Um, well. So, yeah, or whatever. So he uh, he takes that. The innkeeper takes that ten bucks, and he's in debt to somebody else for ten bucks or whatever. And then he goes and pays off that debt. Um, oh, the guy. Sorry, the guy doesn't have ten bucks or whatever. So something happens where he gets the ten bucks. I'm I, I'm butchering this, but he he's in debt to somebody <laughs> for ten bucks. He goes and gives the ten bucks. And now he's out of debt. Then that guy is in debt ten bucks to someone else, so now he's out of debt. And then he goes to some other guy, pays the ten bucks. Now he's out of debt. And then it comes back to the guy that originally wanted to go to the inn because he was also in debt ten bucks, pays his debt off to that guy, and now the guy has ten bucks and says, "Well, I'd like a room at the inn." So now, like five different parties are now ten, like fifty dollars altogether, no longer in debt, and now the guy is still able to pay for a room. So, like, the point is, like, when you have a debt system like that, there's so much money that's created that's not even real. It's not real money. And just 10 bucks could go around and clean up $50 worth of debt. 
hmm. if it if it passes the right hands. Yeah, that's interesting. So there's just like a lot of money like in an inflated currency like this where it's just not even real. Like there's, there's hmm. you know, it's like, there's not even enough money technically if the right hands don't touch it to pay everything back. So it's just it goes to show debt is fake money. It's not real money, but fractional reserve banking is you're lending out 10 bucks and then lend, lend that 10 that guy that receives 10 bucks lends it out to someone else and you do the reverse of that where you create 50 new dollars oh okay i think the debt is a legitimate thing and you can be in debt sad. but i guess fractional reserve banking allows going into debt on money you don't have like you receive 10 bucks on a loan and then you can lend out the 10 bucks you received Right. So technically, it's not your money; it's money that you took out on a loan. But you're allowed. The, the banks are allowed to continue to lend that. Hmm. I get what you're saying. So that's when yeah. you just create yeah. just dollars Based out of thin on the air. fractional reserve. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's just it's a very bunk system. And let's go back to Proverbs 20 here. Differing weights and differing measures. Both of them are abominable to the Lord. That is unjust to lend out money that you don't own. If you take a loan, you you're not allowed to lend out the money that you've loaned. And if you do and you go bankrupt, then you've now just like destroy right. the system of trust that's there so let's explore that right. a little bit Je- weights and measures in an, ec- an economic exchange i buy one pound of flour for ten dollars yeah so you can change that in two ways one you can increase the the cost of what that flour actually is and so in a fiat system where the money's not founded on anything, that's what happens. And that's like the root cause of inflation because there's no, there's no truth that that money is tied to. Uh, the other thing that can happen is that your $10 buys you less. Yeah. And that I think is more specifically what the, I guess the verse is getting at. So, exactly. so like when, again, there's, there's no value in the money. It's going to just by nature, reduce its buying power exactly yeah so it's abominable because because like that means the economic value that we produce if we're paid the same amount is has less buying power yeah yeah that is so wicked and then there's also an aspect of money being representative of work done so yeah in an inflationary system you're not only losing the value of your dollar, you're also losing time because you're having to do more work in order to yeah. gain more value. Yeah, not only do you have to work to retrieve your money, you also need to figure out what to do with your money to beat 2 per, 2% transitory inflation or now 6%. Yeah. How do I beat 6%? Well, now you got to do all this research of what's the best investment? How do I how do I grow that money to keep up? Right. And other than that, yeah, you're just losing time because all that time you put in to make the money is now gone because yeah. it just got inflated 2% this year. Yep. Right? So it's just if we had a monetary system that didn't inflate like that, then all the work you do will only be more valuable in the future rather than less valuable in the future. And then on top of that, you have to do more work to keep up with it, like I'm saying. Right. So it just it's a, it's a really bunk system we're in. And when we talk about – like you'll hear the liberals talk about – Systemic racism or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about like a systemic injustice in the way we do our money. Let's talk about yeah. real like systematic oppression yeah. of people from the elites. Yeah. Because they want to like get your gaze off of the real evils of the world and talk about like a fake made up thing like systemic racism rather than like systemic monetary system that's based on stealing your money and making you look stupid. You know, let's talk about that. Yeah. Hmm. 
I don't so want to I talk think, about it anymore. I'm tired of complaining about it. I know, but <laughs> I guess like the main takeaway is uh, let's be cognizant of this. Uh, you yeah. know, let's let's like try to do things that create real value, like rather than trying to keep everything in dollar form all the time, because then you have to, where do I put my dollars to keep up with inflation? Let's invest it in our children and our families and mm-hmm. like, like a business, buying a business or buying real estate yeah. or buying a cow that will produce milk and meat and reproduce itself. Like figure out ways to put your money in things that God has already said, yeah, this is valuable because mm-hmm. I created it. Don't put your money in the dollar because it's pretty much a joke, right. you know. And if you want to talk about a Ponzi scheme, since 1970, the um, dollar has lost 96% of its value. If you saw that, on, like let's say you're investing in Apple stock and you saw Apple stock go down 96%, you'd say, wow, this company's done. But when you look at the dollar and we say the U.S. dollar is strong. It's like, it, it's, it's if you saw a graph yeah. where you lost 90, you'd say that's a rug pull. They just rug pulled me. Yeah. The, the dollar is a rug pull. Yeah. So don't hold on to the dollar. Hold on to something else. I would say that's the main takeaway. Choose things that God has said. This is valuable. Mm. In terms of building an economy, is it, I think a simple principle is that circulating that value within an ecosystem helps to develop it. Um, yeah. So do business with other Christians who are going to. It's good. It's it's very analogous to water yeah. um, in the way that money transacts because you water a plant and it, and it grows and produces an output, but then that water will go downstream and feed something else and yeah. uh, continue to go. And it ultimately like we can take it back to the providence of the father where he provides everything to people. Um, so yeah. every, Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father yep. uh, of lights who doesn't change. And yeah. and um, in Acts uh, 17, it says that he gives life and breath to all mankind. Yeah. So like he, he, like he gives water, like he does give us ability to like make money and pro- to provide for ourselves uh-huh. fundamentally like, yeah, out of the earth. Um, but then like we get into a super specialized economy, like it's still drawing from that. Uh-huh. But yeah, we're, we're creating a system that downstream, like it's not sustainable. So yes. we are, you know, like you said, kicking the can down the road for some future time where it'll have to be addressed. But, uh-huh. you know, I think, yeah, I think it, we need to start thinking as Christians, how to develop like a more decentralized, um, logistical network and yes. society that, that can develop and actually gain real value from a local economy. And, you know, we were talking about vocation a little bit earlier and how do we navigate this difficult, um, this time we're in because, okay, we're, we're going and providing value to a, to a large conglomerate, a large company. Like we can't really teach that to our children. We can't really keep that in the local community. That has to, that, that engagement is in this, this ecosystem where it's, um, very anti-fragile or this, the system is fragile. And so we have to, but it's like, it's big and that's where the opportunities are. So we kind of have to do some work to make the, this local economy strong again. Yeah. No, they, sorry. I, misunderstood where you're going with that. No, I think that's good. I think one other point of application we wanted to talk about is it's kind of adjacent to this is that the economy is in the family. And when yeah. we think about usury and loans, God says do not exact interest on your brother. 
or um, even when we think about inheritance. Um, don't ever, I would never as a father, if I was about to pass away and I had belongings and land and stuff, I would never say, I'm going to sell this to my kids. You have mm-hmm. to buy it off me. Or, because um, then, well, you yeah. die and you can't even take it with you. Yeah. And, and where's that but, but there's actually a lot of people that do that. They sell it before they die. They don't give it to their kids. They don't leave anything to them. And also, there's a lot of parents that will not give their kids loans hmm. or help, right? Now, I don't think you should just like, there's a point where your child, especially a young boy, I don't think you should be like giving him a bunch of money to help. Like, he needs to figure out how to make money yeah. as a man. But I don't think it's wrong to give your kid a loan, yeah. exact no interest on it, and then have them pay you back. So, like, for instance, what I'd like to see in Christian communities is to get to a point where somebody wants to buy a house, the church gets together, crowdfunds their mortgage, their loan, literally crowdfunds, like let's say a $200,000 home. The church gets together, crowdfunds that for the young couple that wants to buy that and exacts no interest. And then slowly that couple pays back the church or pays back uh, the family or the community system yeah. that got together and crowdfunded that. Yeah, right. So I think I think we need to figure out how to do that, especially with our kids. Like if my, if my son comes up and says, Dad, I want to start this venture, I don't want to – like your Amazon web business. It would have been cool if you could have went to your dad and said, I don't really don't want to get like into credit card debt because I know you had to do a lot of – open up a lot of credit card accounts and stuff like that. If instead maybe some of the older folks in your life in the community yeah, can sure. crowdfund you as a young man to start making that – those leaps and then exact no interest. So you can get even further ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we need to figure out as Christians, how to do that for each other, how to do like startup stuff without exacting interest to uh, help people get started. Yeah. So I don't know. Do you think those are good thoughts? What do you guys think? Something I've been playing around with, but how can we take that principle exact no usury on your brother Mm. and apply that to the way Christians do community and the way we think about money? It seems like a very godly way to serve a community member. Yeah. And that they need. I mean, if, if you see this opportunity where you can provide these resources where it will have a mu- huge benefit for them, you're, you're ultimately benefiting yourself because they're a member of your community. Exactly. So it's like, like, by the grace of God, that's how it works out, where it's like you do a kind act and you get, you, you get to reap the rewards of it ultimately. Exactly by loving your brother and another member of the body. Yeah. And when you strengthen, it's like the Spartan line in 300, right? Like each brother next to you that's holding their shield, if that shield cracks, then the formation's broken. Same thing in a church right. community. Like if you can strengthen up your brother, you don't. You shouldn't think of it as like, oh, now my brother's stronger than me. Now my brother is going to get ahead and I'm going to be left behind. Actually, like same principle, he who loves his wife loves himself. He who loves yeah. his brother loves himself. Yeah. He who strengthens his brother strengthens himself. Right. I think yeah. those are principles I would say all day long with church community. And I think it, we need to th- yes. we need to think about that applies to money. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to get together. Like once we get further along in our lives, or maybe Carter, you want to start something. Like if I had extra money laying around, I wanted to invest. Yeah. I would invest it in Christian brothers, and I would exact no interest. Yeah. I'd say I don't need this ten thousand bucks. Would this help you get your feet off the ground for this project you want to do? Yeah, I'd invest that at zero interest. I still expect it back. I need to. I need to care for my family. Yeah, for sure. But I'm not going to charge you interest. I'm not going to charge you six percent APY. You know. Yeah. Um. I don't know. That's just something I've been playing around with. I think that's. I think we got to get there. Yeah. As a Christian parallel economy, we got to get there. Yeah, I think that a lot. 
of people and Christian circles are starting to understand that and seeing the value and merit in it. Uh It's just a lot of hard work. Like how do you, you, you know, you had said something earlier, like the analogy of robbing Egypt, like when the Israelites left Egypt, they gave them a bunch of gold, like all the gold earrings and stuff. And as an analogy, they, they plundered that nation. They, they worked for them, built the economy, built their economy. And then once they were ready to go, God pulled them out, sent them to the promised land and sent them with a lot of wealth from Egypt and, you know, blessed them when they came into the promised land. So blessings that we have in Christ. Yeah. I've got faith that we're able to do it. Uh That doesn't mean it's not hard work and that it's just going to come to us easily, but you know, it's, it's, and it's going to be a multi-generational thing too. Like if we can't ideally, yeah, we're all, when we're the patriarchs of our families and we're living in like a community yeah, we're totally independent from the state and it, their monetary system won't affect us because we have a thriving local economy. But there's, but the tentacles and the roots of that system are still ingrained in a lot of our lives and the way we live day to day. So uh-huh. it is going to be hard to kind of plant that new yes. economy and to make it grow and thrive to be able to feed, exactly. to feed the community. So, But, you know, it doesn't stop us from teaching the next generations that and kind of going back to your point about the system where where parents will not leave anything to their kids and just eat or save it up for retirement and use it themselves or um you know that it's it's very it it ends with me so it doesn't really lend to the generational building which i mean it's your own it's your own flesh like 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 what is your effect going to be in the timeline Uh of of the whole world. Yeah. And it's, it's selfish to not it is. have that think about, orientation mm-hmm. toward the generations. Think about it really practically. Like the old, the old guy that he buys a Corvette. He's like, I worked my whole life. I might as well get something nice for me. Right. Well, that 60,000 Corvette, $60,000 Corvette, that's a very helpful down payment for your oldest son that just turned 20 and is trying to make it. But instead, like you're saying, you spent you spent your work, your life's work on yourself, mm-hmm. and you didn't make. Now your kids got to start all the way back over, and then eventually maybe mm-hmm. they'll be able to afford a Corvette when they're sixty. They say, you know what, I'm gonna get a Corvette. I deserve this, right? And then that cycle never mm-hmm. stops. But eventually, there's got to be one son, which is gonna be us, right? Like when we're sixty, we could probably buy a Corvette. But we're gonna say, you know what, I don't need a Corvette. I'm not gonna buy a Corvette. I'm actually gonna get each of my kids an extra twenty thousand bucks. So that they can have a bigger, larger down payment on their home. Yeah. Right. Like, like things like yeah. that. You can we buy. Have, you can buy an old Corvette for eight thousand bucks. You know. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the new Corvettes now will be old Corvettes then. Yeah, exactly. But I don't know. We just like I, I think we're. I think we're onto some good stuff there, but like you're saying, it's going to take our whole lives for us to become that, and for anyone that's listening. It's, it's going to take a lifetime yeah. to become that, but we got to eventually say no in terms of how we think about not even money, like just value in general. How do I pass on value to my kids yeah. instead of spending it on myself as I'm about to pass away? You know, mm-hmm. how do I make their lives easier? Yeah. And the system is really set up against passing down inheritance just with inheritance tax and mm-hmm. gift tax, that kind of stuff. So it's, 
it, we're gonna have to get creative and in, in the ways of yeah. non-compliance that uh-huh. we can transfer value i mean i don't know maybe that's through a business you know you're building and you have assets and money in a business and then you transfer the business from one person to another like that i don't okay i'm very kind of green in in that those kind of transactions and uh-huh. taxes and business but um i don't know but i know there are certain ways to avoid those yeah those things so yeah yeah, I think we like as Christians, we need to figure out how to uh, do our own banking system. You know, yeah. uh, like in a sense, right? Like bank with your mom and dad. Yeah, basically. yeah. Like bring I'm the saying. economy back into the family. Yeah. That, so I, I think that's the main takeaway. I guess mm-hmm. any, any last large thoughts? Anything you were thinking of, Noah? Listen to that. Hmm. Coming up on forty minutes here. I got nothing. Got nothing. Yeah, I think this is some good takeaways. Let's just start working towards that. If you're listening, I think that'd be a, even, I mean, me, Carter, Noah, we're working towards that, uh, putting our assets to work, putting our money in things that are long lasting yeah. and not just, I'd say biggest takeaway, don't keep your money in fiat, put it to work for things that God has value, put, put value on, place value on, yeah. like a cow. Yeah. Cows are good. Cows are, that's a very, very a great obvious example. Yeah, get together with your friends, pull your money, get a dairy cow, buy a cow, rotate the milking. Very simple. Easy peasy. I would say more yeah. like a house, you know what I mean? Things like that. Like purchase yeah. a house. That's yeah. good. That's a good start. Like try to purchase a home. Yeah. And even like with inflation, debt is almost going to be considered healthy because you're locking in with the rate that it's at <laughs> yeah, now. If you, it, yeah. yeah. If you, if you take out a $200,000 loan for a home and inflation in 10 years, makes it a $400,000 home, you just gain $200,000 exactly. by locking and I, into that. Yeah, and I've heard that's why you want to go really slow on your mortgage payment. Yeah. Because that money could be used elsewhere. Instead of going really hustling and putting all your money into mortgage payment, you can invest it in something else. Right. Yeah, take that, Dave Ramsey. Yeah, take that, Dave. <laughs> Son of a gun. Dude, I want to RKO Dave so bad. Dude, he's going to hear this and like... <laughs> the transcript he's searching RKO Dave comes up I think that's all we gotta say it's kind of crazy with the banking crisis but uh, keep your head up and put your head to the plow we're doing it where we're at you can do it as well I think that's what Christians need to be known for we just put our head to the plow we get working baby and uh, we follow Christ and just keep doing that in every aspect even financial stuff and by the way none of this was financial advice <laughs> Yeah, I'm we should have said that. Apparently, supposed to say that because you uh, said a bunch like invest in cryptocurrency. I know, but uh, this is not financial advice. This was opinions from before the King podcast. Yeah, so all speculation. If you yes. lose out on whatever I said, that's your fault, not mine. But I doubt you will. That'd <laughs> <laughs> yeah. be wild if someone actually sued me for. Like, Hey, I heard you said invest in Bitcoin. You know, that'd be wild. Okay, well, I think that's all we have to say. Thanks for listening. To the King of the Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honored, glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria. Oh, yeah.